Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Acting Inspired with me, Lewis Goody. This week's guest, guests, I should say, are John Hoggarth and Rhea Parry, um, both theatre makers. John had a very interesting journey through the National Youth Theatre, going from actor to director to theatre maker, and uh, and he'll go into that in a lot more detail. We will go into that in a lot more detail. Rhea, she is his wife, first of all, um, and she is equally as awesome, also a dedicated National Youth Theatre member, um, and someone who has grown and changed uh, equally as much as John in, in a very positive way and become the director of uh, the co-director of Iron Shoes Theatre Company that they both run together. Um, but we'll get onto that more in a moment. God, it is so hot today. It's really, really nice. Um, so I'm recording this intro on the boat with all the doors and windows open. So apologies if you can hear the people on the other side of the, the towpath playing music and, and shouting at each other. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's baking and it's lovely. Um, the sound in this episode is okay, don't worry. Um, but I only have two microphones and I had three people. So John and Rhea shared their microphone. Um, but it, it didn't affect it too much at the beginning. I sort of was very aware of it, but then by the end I, I'd completely forgotten about it we have a surprise uh, guest at the end of it as well uh, Rosabella the eight month eight month old little one um, and she is equally as brilliant as the both of them um, guys thank you so much for listening to this um, I really need to work on how to get it out to more people and I appreciate any help that that any of you have have given me in that respect by sharing it with your friends and and talking about it and stuff like that um i need to i'm still working out the the technological side of of all of this um and how websites work and get, getting getting this out there to to you and others um but again checking the stats there's like listeners one or two listeners dotted all around Europe and Canada and the US and that really makes me feel lovely um, and inspires me to continue doing it. The last couple of days have been crazy. I went to my girlfriend's film premiere which was uh, the Bad Education movie and did the whole red carpet thing which was amazing um, and hopefully we'll be talking to to my girlfriend and uh, and a friend of hers at some point soon um, about the little project that they're working on together um, but yeah it's it's been a crazy week and I at points I'm going to be completely honest with you I've, I've got a bit sort of not negative but lost the, the positive vibe that I definitely started this podcast with um, not completely lost it but felt a bit sort of lost like I don't know what I'm doing how do I get more people to listen all that kind of boring stuff um, and today this morning I went to the gym and I went swimming and that sounds like this I'm trying to tell you about this thing that no one's ever heard of but I went swimming and uh, it was amazing and it woke me up and re-energized me and I didn't like go for it I was just sort of gently swimming for like half an hour and I feel really good so there's a little a little tip for you if you if you're feeling like you're not quite sure what's going on just put everything down, go for a swim. 
there you go. That's the, the golden piece of advice um, this week. Anyway, let's get on with this. It's a really cool interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Do let me know what you think. Big love. See you on the other side. Take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun. you thank you very much thank you for having me in your house pleasure um this is the first one that's not on the boat so it's quite that's quite cool in itself mm-hmm. um it's raining and it's horrible it's gonna start raining yeah, yeah. but the a, house is nice the house is lovely yeah, yeah. yeah the house is gorgeous <laughs> and i'm sorry i missed your uh missed rosabella it's right she'll probably be awake in about 10 minutes and then you can join in on involved. the podcast yeah. yeah tell me or for the sake of the people who are listening you first Rhea, who you are, yeah, I'm pointing at Rhea, who, who are you? Who the hell am I? Um, I, My name is Rhea Parry, I am a theatre director, Mm -hmm. Um, I was a producer back in the day, uh, but now I'm a freelance theatre director, and I also run Iron Shoes, which is a, a small scale new writing company, and I run that with John Hogger, who is, uh, Joint artistic director of Vine Shoes, and he's also my husband, and he's sitting next to me. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, so, yeah it's a nice, uh, smooth transition there. Transition, yeah. yeah. Segways are always good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm John Hoggeth, and yeah, as Ria said, uh, we run Iron Shoes together. Um, my background's, I suppose, a little bit different from Ria's in that I worked as an actor and trained as an actor many, many years ago now. And then went from acting into also directing and doing a bit of producing. And more latterly, I've done a lot more directing and writing. So, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a kind of strange and various journey. No, that's cool. And yeah. we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, hopefully, in a second. Cool. Um, one question that I start all of these things with, or I have been doing recently, um, is what did you want to be when you grow up, when you were kids? <laughs> When I was a little kid, I think I wanted to be a writer. Yeah. Nothing to do with theatre, I just wanted to write stories. I used to write um, little stories that probably had about 20 words in them on a bit of paper, and then you just go around to my neighbour's houses, <laughs> knock on the doors and try and sell them for, I think it was 5p for a short story and 8p for a longer one. <laughs> And some people were really nice, and some people just told me to go away. Oh. And I was a small kid with was, an ambition. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> with the money making ambition as well. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. maybe it was just about trying to get some money as opposed to actually. Well, yeah, writing. fair enough. I bet they were, have you got any of those stories? No, I don't think they were very good. It would be interesting to see them, though. Yeah, yeah. I think it was stuff like uh, there was a fish, and the fish went to <laughs> the moon. And was very happy. The end. It was it, that probably five was pence. Yeah, yeah, five, five pence. pence yeah. That, five yeah. pence. That kind that of was it. Bring me such joy. And, and yeah, happiness. I wish you'd live next door. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, what, what did um, you do? Yeah, different from me. I I remember wanting to be <laughs> a blacksmith. Yes. And uh, yeah, 
I thought I'd let it. Yeah, and uh, maybe a, a chef or a cook of some sort. I quite enjoyed that idea. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, I'd, I'd, I mean, I was into drama and acting very early on, so I was kind of in our village, because me and Maria grew up in very different places, so I grew up in a, a kind of tiny little village in a remote part of North Yorkshire. So there wasn't anyone to sell stories to, even if, <laughs> even if I'd, even if I'd written one. Miles. So, yeah, yeah, it would have to walk a long, long way. But there was loads of kind of horses and things like that, so it's uh, <laughs> a blacksmith thing. Um, yeah, but then in our village pantomime, I can remember that was the first time I did any acting. And I remember being really taken with it as something that I was, you know, thinking, oh, that, that would be amazing to, to take that forward. So I was a bit kind of a cliche in that way, I think, is that all through school I was in productions and all that kind of thing. Amazing. So, yeah. And for you, when... Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when um, did you, John, discover... Mm-hmm. Uh, when did acting start becoming something more serious for you? Was, how old were you when you, jo- when you joined MIT, for example? Yeah, so I was 14. So that's how we all know each other, bizarrely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me yeah. and Andrea all remember the National Youth Theatre. And that, that was a really important, I think, milestone for me, is that, having said I grew up in this tiny little village, that I auditioned to join the National Youth Theatre in Newcastle uh, and was invited to come down to London. And so I was 14, incredibly green behind the ears. So it was kind of astonishing. For the first two years, I remember not really ever having the confidence to, to say who I was. So uh, uh, an actress who's still a friend now introduced me to everyone as Steve and I didn't have the courage to say, oh no, well, actually my, my name's John. And so for two years, I was always known as kind of Steve down there until it took me about two years to say, well, I don't know, I'm called something different from that. So it was a, it was a major kind of life, chapter i think for me it was yeah. like, uh, came, it comes at that time anyway where you where life is beginning to make sense you're beginning to make choices and the, and for me that was a massive stepping stone yeah, yeah. so you learned that you should remember your name well but it's funny, i was having this conversation the other week and it is i think that i i kind of fulfilled a cliche for that for that first couple of years so i kind of became the slightly thick northerner and that suited me quite quite nicely and I think that often happens actually with something an organization like you think you you yeah. I don't know you be you become what you think you where you could fit in or whatever you become a little bit of a stereotype yeah um and it took me a long while to to get out of that stereotype I think I still probably am a bit of a thick northerner <laughs> yeah. I, I get trapped in these stereotypes massively as well right like stuck in it that's why I've cut my hair off to try and start getting out of that right that, right. that area yeah <laughs> um, um but Rhea when so was when did theatre become something that was important to you because obviously I mean even with the stories and stuff stories must have had some importance to you yeah um yeah I quite liked um make-believe yeah worlds. so yeah, a bit of escapism, even when I was young. Um, so at primary school, I was incredibly shy. Yeah. Really, really horribly shy. Um, and then in my last year at primary school, um, they did a production of... the One of the teachers was doing a production of um, Christmas Carol. Yeah. And uh, this boy called... I think his name was Freddie, um, was Scrooge. 
and I had like I was like one of the um, I was about to say receptionists, but don't think they were. They were in goodness, Gary. Clerk, clerk, clerk. A clerk, clerk. like Bob oh, Cratchit. Right, yeah, 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 but not even that important. I had like a couple of lines. Um, right. So we were doing, rehearsing our scene with the teacher. Um, and Freddie was being very quiet and I was being quite loud and, and really surprised the teacher. So they asked us to swap around. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good for me. That was a good for Freddie. Yeah, um, yeah. So so And then the next day they said that I was going to be Scrooge. So I played Scrooge <laughs> yeah. in, in the production um, last year at primary school. And I remember my uh, head teacher um, at the end kind of saying, I will never say that Rhea is shy again. <laughs> And it kind of gave me a bit of a, you know, that didn't make me then go, I'm going to have a career in theatre. Yeah, yeah. That made me kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, I can be loud, uh, a bit louder than my normal personality when I'm um, pretending. Yeah. When I'm in that pretend mode. So did, did you start in the, I mean, obviously that's like primary school, but was it acting? Yeah, acting, definitely. Yeah. I, yeah, not, yeah, definitely. That was kind of my route in. And I thought I did want to be an actor. So I auditioned for National Youth Theatre when I was... 14 yeah. didn't get in um, neither first time <laughs> I got in first happened. time yeah right <laughs> um, and then and then left it because I was devastated and didn't quite know how to cope with rejection yeah. and just thought oh well, I'm not good enough I, mean, I remember rocking up to my audition on Holloway Road at 14 I had no clue what I was doing oh just shy as anything didn't really even know where I was going like found myself in front of Ed actually Ed Wilson um this terrible speech where I just looked down at the floor <laughs> the whole time, um, and then was like, "Oh, I haven't got in. That's so. That's not supposed to happen." Yeah. Um, and then grew up a bit, uh, got a bit more confidence, and re-auditioned at nineteen. Oh wow, that's quite a gap. Right? Yeah, quite yeah. a gap. So you know, I in my gap year, I um, I was a uh, front of house manager. So a theatre manager for uh, in a theatre in the West End. So kind of knew that I um, really liked the environment. So actually, I, at that point, I was thinking, actually, no, I do want to do theatre. So re-audition for NYT with a bit more confidence got in. Um, and at that point, I still thought I really love acting. Yeah. But I was already starting to, to think, or oh, maybe drama at university rather than drama school. And, and actually, maybe it's everything whether you're doing front of house or yeah i didn't think of directing at that point yeah it yeah. wasn't that clear but um yeah i thought kind of well maybe it's it's theater and this kind of community that i want to be part of yeah in but any sort of in any yeah in any capacity yeah. yeah there was definitely kind of acting that kind of got me in in the first place amazing um and john obviously you mm -hmm. uh got into myt and then the run got, it got on top of it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and that was a got on top of it indeed that was a um yeah surprise i suppose I, I think i got what i found about nyt was that it was like a i say a, a fantastic network and family of, of of people and so i found myself even when i'd stopped being a an acting member as such. I was a member from like being 14 to being about 20, then went to drama school, then got a couple of jobs, you know, as a, as an actor around the country, but would find myself coming back and working at the National Youth Theatre and feeling very much like that was a, a home. And Ria's mentioned Ed. I then became his associate director for a number of years. And then when uh, Ed stepped down as artistic director, I, um, 
applied for the for the role, and myself and Paul Roseby were given it as a joint artistic directorship, and that was a huge step for me. So there'd been quite a a change from obviously being a member and also training as an actor and working yeah. as an actor for a little while, and there was a number of things I had to do. I think to get my, you know, to make sense of of that interview. Um, but I remember that that was yeah a major uh, opportunity for me, I suppose, and a massive again massive learning curve. Actually, being artistic director of a company like that with such a kind of long and uh, proud history. Yeah. I mean, that, that also must take up, being a co-artistic director of National Youth Theatre, yeah. must take up a lot of time, right? Yeah, so so it was pretty much, although me and Paul, um, obviously it was a co-artistic directorship, but we were pretty much full-time, uh, the pair of us. I did also continue to do some work outside of it, as did Paul, so we both kind of produced bits and pieces outside of uh, NYT. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty full-on commitment, and I was there for six seven years yeah as artistic director and um yeah but what great you know what a great um company to work for yeah um, cool. i mean who uh, wh- where did you like the whole idea of mit yeah. that is a, a yeah. thing that is important to this podcast okay. as well you know and where it was born and how it yeah well it, it came about in 1956 a man called michael croft who was actually a school teacher uh, and he taught english at school but in the summer holidays he would uh, work with some of the pupils in his school to do a Shakespeare, and that's how it started, uh, doing Shakespeare productions. The school that he was working in was all male, and to cut a long story short, he wanted to kind of increase the diversity of that company, so he started inviting people from all over the country to audition. They continued to do kind of Shakespeare productions, that's what they were firstly famous for, so they did a very memorable production of Henry V that was again back in the late 50s Uh, but at the time youth didn't really exist so there was no sense of giving young people that opportunity to do something to that standard and it kind of um, well one started the whole kind of notion of of getting young people to participate in theatre but two made I think the critics and the artistic community aware that young people do have this amazing potential and raw energy that when you put it on stage yeah. it can you know be truly explosive so yeah. uh, so that's how it how it started and then I said from Michael he went to Ed and then from Ed to me and Paul and now Paul runs it on his uh, on his own yeah and um was it did you feel because it interests me the whole yeah. when you when you're an actor and then you d- discover something else yeah and you start gravitating towards that yeah um did you feel any sort of like guilt? And to a degree, not? the I mean, I think we've spoken, or I've spoken about this before, which is this notion of as an actor, you it can often feel like you are everybody else's kind of puppet or yeah. whatever. Is that you are waiting for someone to give you a phone call or, or whatever in order to do your art bit of it you need lots of other people to say will you come and join us yeah and I found that very frustrating it might have been that I wasn't particularly great or employable as an actor <laughs> but I think more likely it was that I just got frustrated by the notion of of waiting around a lot uh, a lot of the time so that's when I started writing my own stuff producing my own stuff and and directing as well mm-hmm. um and I think 
more and more now that's that's seen as legitimate if yeah. you know what I mean that, that I think that that is the way it probably should be and I always think of myself as a theatre maker rather than an actor and sometimes I'll be performing sometimes I'll be writing yeah. sometimes I'll be producing or directing yeah become more of a, a sort of creative artist yeah. rather than just one thing or yeah and it's a bit like you know what you're doing now is for me that all of that is, is important I think if you've I think it's really vital that all of us as creatives do produce work and make that happen. And I think there's a real risk um, that sometimes people, either through fear or lack of money or a feeling that people won't take them seriously, yeah. don't don't give things a go. Yeah. But but I you know I'm a really strong believer that you must try this stuff and who knows where it will take you absolutely that's yeah. a massive thing the fear yeah. of, of doing it that's one thing that i was hope, hope to focus on yeah. with this is that you know i i definitely personally am someone yeah. who sort of has these ideas and goes oh that'd be really cool and and i maybe share the idea with someone and i say oh look, what do you think about this and then and then and then i start thinking about the realities of it and all these fears start coming and i go oh yes yeah, yeah. i'll do something else yeah, I, and I think it's a real issue that what makes something legitimate in terms of what, what are you allowed to say you are and do. And I know yeah. for a long time I remember being slightly embarrassed to write down, oh, actor or director or creative on a, I don't know, a passport or a, <laughs> yeah. a jo job application or whatever. It feels yeah, yeah. a bit odd. And um, and yet, why, why should it? But I think there's something about, and I think we're living in this time now where actually it's really hard to to earn money as any sort of artist yeah it's really easy to dismiss artists as kind of unimportant or, or something and i think we owe it to um yeah to both champion it and and recognize that what we do is really important yeah yeah that's a massive thing yeah. um so ria what, what um you went from so where, where did we get to you were working in the theatre and um, it was yeah. drama school or university at drama at university yeah so I ended up at university so I was um, a theatre manager at the Playhouse Theatre uh, in the West End um, and then I took a place to do drama and theatre studies at Royal Holloway University cool um, which was good um, met lots of lovely people um, we had a lot of time which you do at university yeah. um outside of your kind of set lectures it's quite a, a research-based course quite an academic course but um outside of my you know 12 hours contact time whatever it was i was either working earning money working or um getting together with people in my course to try and make stuff amazing which you can only do when you're um at drama school or or, or university just to have you know, a rehearsal space like on your yeah. door or to have yeah. facilities which you don't really realise the value of until you leave. Yeah. <laughs> but Let's yeah, so we on. were kind of making stuff. We formed a little, me and a guy called um, Liam Jarvis who now runs a company called Analog. Right. We um, formed a little collective called Theatre Trash uh, and did, um, we took a first show to Edinburgh. So we did three shows in Edinburgh wow. in the end. So it's while you're still at Two uni? Two shows in Edinburgh. Still at, still at uni, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and we did uh, shows at Camden People's Theatre. So it was a Camden People's Theatre, which, which was run by Chris Good at that point. He was yeah. incredibly supportive to us. Um, 
and uh, I think we got a little bit little bursary from Ron Holloway as well to take our first show up. And then essentially it was us and a, a group of other students, you know, just making do and sharing rooms and um, just anything so that we could be there at the festival. Um, I'd been doing uh, box office and admin at the Pleasance Theatre in London, so I had a nice relationship there. So actually we took our very first theatre I show to the Pleasance, which wow. was, was quite brilliant. And, yeah. and a, an incredible learning curve yeah. um, for all of us, and definitely for me in terms of the producing side of things, because I was uh, co-directing and de- co-devising with Liam and the company, um, but I was also mainly doing the um, producing stuff Liam's a a bit of a digital artist as well as a director so he was looking after all the the tech technological side of things and then I was kind of doing all the admin so it was it was a really great learning curve to kind of go okay this is how you put on a show this is how you put the show at the Edinburgh Festival this is how you put a show on the London Fringe and I was I was I'm now looking back I'm really grateful I I had that learning experience kind of whilst I was at university and then just after as well because it it set me up in a in a, a good way to kind of know how the mechanics of everything work yeah and i suppose it's a good a good thing to take from it as well as if you have a space and have the opportunity for for space like if you're at university or you're at drama school then you know definitely take advantage of that and yeah and just jump in and do things i mean it's great that you while you're still at uni you're going up to edinburgh and, and um you know getting involved in such a in such a intense way yeah um the Pleasance pops up in every interview Does that it? I've done. Yeah, like okay. they seem to just help. They seem to be amazing for people who are starting theatre companies. They're, yeah, they're great. It used to, it used to be run by a guy called Christopher Richardson. Yeah, um, who had a dog called Brook. <laughs> uh, hence Brook's Bar up at the oh. Festival. If you hang out there, um, and he was a brilliant character. I think he retired just after I, um, after my relationship kind of formally ended with him as in when I stopped doing box office and admin there um uh but he was brilliant I used to turn up to shifts uh to do box office to do admin or whatever and and sometimes someone would just go oh can you talk can you take um Christopher's dog for a walk so I'd spend like <laughs> three hours just like walking around with Brooke in um wherever it is Caledonian Rose yeah so they're quite a they must have really rated you as an administrator yeah. <laughs> how rude <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I never, never thought yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, might be um, that. Yeah, it might be yeah. that. I Three wasn't hours. particularly good with dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like, think it was when there was just nothing to do. Yeah. That's I imagine you'd be better anyway. with admin than, than dogs. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it, was, it was a really lovely, really, really lovely place. Um, and actually, it is, there is a family feel at the present because a lot of the people who were around at my time just starting out are now like programming the comedy programmer, theatre programmer. Yeah. Um, a guy called Matt, I can't remember his surname, but um, you know he was just starting out as a as a, a, a technical person, technician, and and he's now a technical manager at the Pleasant. So and this right. is you know mm. years on, so um, they look after, they look you, after people. Yeah. yeah, I think you know people grew after at the Pleasant, definitely in Edinburgh for very little money and really high pressure. But you, there is a kind of journey that people go on with the with the company so yeah I'm not surprised that people mention them yeah yeah it gets mentioned all the time and I think that's a a good lesson anyway is that notion of any network that you build up in this industry is is important actually and you are 
it's so important that you don't burn any bridges or you don't, you know, your reputation does count for a great deal, I think. And so it's surprising what, you know, what something can lead to. So a part-time job from university can eventually transform into a meaningful career as long as you are applying yourself and, and, and doing stuff. So I think I quite like that notion of kind of a, an apprenticeship and that notion yeah. of, of kind of, yeah, being part of something that's, um, yeah, a bit bigger because it's, Rare. Yeah, as long as you are happy with what you're doing, and it's it's that's that's another important thing that I think gets forgotten quite yeah. often. Maybe not so much in the arts or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as long you you have to be happy, and uh, if you're an actor and you you're not happy waiting for I don't, I don't mean like depressed, but you know yeah. you, you you like you for you for example you weren't happy just waiting and being mm -hmm. the puppet you wanted to grab hold of one of those strings and, yeah 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 and pull it yourself and yeah. Uh, yeah and I think that that and again we've got we do have that um, ability power whatever to to, to make that happen yeah. and I think yeah and I, I suppose yeah when I'm at my unhappiest or my most depressed or whatever it is it's often when I kind of take myself out of that I've disenfranchised myself or I've disempowered myself yeah. and that actually anything that can give you a little bit of creative power is i think it's like a battery or something it yeah, charges yeah. you for all a host of other things as well so yeah yeah amazing um when what uh john you still for a moment yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or both talking at the same time i feel like i'm just jumping yeah, yeah. um so what when um if it's not too personal me asking yeah why did you step down from uh, NYT? Yeah, um, a couple of reasons. The one that I told myself, and I think this is this is true, is that um, it became uh, quite safe in a way. Uh, yeah. And I, and I, what I'm about to say maybe makes me sound, you know, very grand, and it, it really doesn't mean to. But I genuinely felt as though uh, being artistic director of an organisation like that, you're at the very top of uh, that organisation. You're working with incredibly talented, young, impressionable people who kind of see you as some kind of guru, potentially, as yeah. some kind of know-it-all person. And it's really flattering to be at the top of an organisation like that. And I felt as an artist, it wasn't actually making me develop any longer so that I could have quite easily um, kind of coasted a bit yeah. or taken some safe off, um, kind of decisions and choices um, and so I just felt as I wanted to do something different and challenge myself and um, yeah and that, that that was it it was also and it was also true that myself and Paul uh, as co-artistic directors had probably come to the end of a project where both of us had kind of defined roles right. and it could well have been that if we'd taken it on for another five years we'd have started stepping on each other's toes right, right. and it could have got difficult it didn't do and you know I still consider him a you know a, a friend and a, a good person and all the rest of it but um, but yeah chiefly for me at the time it was very much about um, making sure that I challenged myself uh and not just kind of get comfortable and yeah i think that's yeah I think that's right 
yeah. It just sound a bit pompous, doesn't it? No, not at all. Yeah, it completely makes sense. And it's quite, it's a really brave thing to do, actually, to to step out of it I suppose because yeah because what it gives you a, a role like that and uh, and again it's interesting the the difference between an artistic director and a, a director of plays the role is a very different one yeah um, and it's um, yeah it gives you a certain level of security it also with an organisation like that that's got you know nearly 60 years of, of history to it um, you are constantly aware of that DNA that yeah. is kind of pumping through it yeah. and that therefore your your choices you need to be very very mindful of and I suppose you know from a selfish perspective I I wanted to do things that really interested me a little bit more and yeah. I, I you know felt like I'd given service to it and um I was probably ready to challenge myself in a different way sure. yeah um Rhea when what was how did you progress from you know uh, making these shows at, at uni with your mates off of your own back and sort of going and going up to Edinburgh and going to the London Fringe? How did that turn? Because you said even at that point you still had a, a more sort of um, I'd, correct me if I'm wrong, but like a producery admin yeah admin angle yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, um, uh, well, I suppose I was I was doing a lot of practical stuff at university, whether of performing course, yeah. or devising or, or directing. But I was also learning about um, sound and producing and the yeah the more um, backstagey stuff. Yeah. Um, when I graduated from university, my promise to myself or my resolution, if you like, was that I wanted to um, make a living out of theatre yeah um so I graduated from university in a lot of debt no money and I but I still wanted to do it yeah so um my thinking was if it is anything to do with theatre then I will say you know if it's anything to do with theatre and it's paid I will say yes Mm -hmm. um so I'm not gonna and I can't kind of go I'm gonna be a director like the thought of at 21 going I'm gonna be a director and then just getting on with being a director it just it was not a reality at all I don't and I don't know how people do that if you don't have just a load of money yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I thought okay well you know if I can be in theatre and make a living then great so I was doing I did did some acting so I was doing a load of school stores uh, as a as an actor and that was a good experience um yeah. I was doing some admin stuff I was doing project management um I was doing running lots of workshops um not so much directing where really. were you running the workshops uh I was running workshops for National Youth Theatre mm-hmm. um for Richmond Council I got a, a little job for I was kind of just applying for lots of random freelance stuff what a um, great way to sort of soak up everything and get a good idea of yeah. what what it's all about yeah and that was it was both a kind of practical pragmatic thing and it was also a i think desire to just be in the theater world and kind of to learn about lots of different parts of it yeah and um, i got a job uh, also the the young vic i mm-hmm. got involved in um and I can't remember what came first with the Young Vic, but I, I ran a few workshops and then I got a job as assistant director on Tobias and the Angel, um, which was reop- which was yeah, reopening the Young Vic after it had been um, had, had a load of work done on it. Um, so that was my first 
kind of as, assisting job with the young Vic. Right. Uh, and then I really loved it and was running loads of workshops and doing lots of community stuff off the back of that. But I also still couldn't work out how you how you did that, how you were a director full time <laughs> and actually, you know, kind of um, bought food and paid bills. <laughs> um, so I was also at that point doing a lot of um, project management um, and the word producer was starting to come into the sub- subsidised sector a, 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 a bit more. So right. actually before that, if you're a producer, it was much more of a commercial term and you'd make the money, but the subsidised sector was starting to use it a bit more. I did the 24-hour plays as a producer right. yeah. and not as a director. So I was a producer on the 24-hour plays at the same time I was assistant director on Tobias and the Angel. Um, and then I uh, got into something called Step Change, which is still going as part of the Claw Leadership Programme, right, um, steered by the National Theatre. And I was, I was on it as a freelance producer. Right. So at that point, I was still kind of going, I can see how you earn a living yeah. as a producer. I can see that. I can't see that with a, a director. So um, I got onto that programme and at the same time I got onto that programme, I um, was uh, informally asked to apply for the assistant producer role that just came up at Watford Palace Theatre. So Bridget Lama had just taken over. Um, so I went to interview for that and was offered it um, and thought... I could tell my mum I'm an assistant producer. That will make sense. I've got a wage. All of that would be really interesting. At that point, I also thought I was really interested in programming, which I am. Yeah. Um, but I thought, okay, well, maybe that's the path to go on. So I, so I, so I took a job as a producer at Watford Palace. I stayed there for two years. Um, moved around a bit um, in Watford Palace with, within those two years. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of that, I kind of had a bit of a chat with myself and thought, do you know what? I, I do want to be a director. I do want to be a director. I still can't quite work out how to um, make it work money-wise, but I'm going to jump. Um, That's the important bit as well. Yeah, you've got to make you've got to make the decision. Um, And it's not that you suddenly then go cut all your you know all your past ties and don't do any other freelance stuff (laughs) at all because you've got to. I, I was I think I was at a point where I I knew I could do enough other freelance things, whether workshopy things or um. Uh, admin things or project management things or I knew I could roughly earn a living at the same time as as trying to make shows as well so I was you know 27 or whatever at that point so it was later much later than some of my peers but it was definitely right for me to kind of go I'm 27 I don't feel ashamed to say I am trying to be a director um, and I think I can make it work you know roughly financially Um, so I left Watford Palace and uh Kind of re um what's the word um connected again reconnected with the young vic who were brilliant and um gave me lots of projects and and bits and bobs of work um in the year that i left after i left Watford palace nice. um and then at the end of that i got the uh um anniversary for emerging directors at the national theater um and it kind of went from there how and does that come about is that um it was a pure application so they had seen uh gareth machin who was associate there at that time and punny morell was head of studio um they'd seen my production of crush which was our first iron shoes show okay Mm -hmm. Um, yeah 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 so they um so they had scenes on my work um, and then it was just advertised. So I applied and went through a very rigorous um, 
application process, um, both kind of one, uh, uh, face-to-face interviews and um, directing people in a room with people observing you oh, from the shit. studio um, and then those actors um, feeding back on you and you know it was quite it was wow. very rigorous yeah. but I remember I think my my second or third interview um, it was my birthday uh, I think I was 20 turning 27 28 can't remember um, and I remember thinking if I can't do this now if this is what I actually love if I can't do this and if I can't enjoy this, then um, then then it, it probably isn't for me. So I, I need to embrace it and um, and it works out. So yeah, so they gave me the bursary, Puni and Gareth, forever grateful. Um, so the studio and the Young Vic were, were very important to me in terms of um, supporting me as a director. Amazing. And that, that has been, and that's where I kind of mark as my beginning of me as a. Um, as, as yeah, as a director, as me, director. kind of confidently, mm-hmm. kind of going, yeah, this is, I found this is it. me. I'm a director. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trying to be a director. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, very good director. Thanks, thanks, Lewis. Thank you. Been directed by both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Actually, to be fair, all I remember doing with you is blowing a feather, feather up in the air. Yeah, yeah. You were very good at that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm clarifying that that was John that I should do that, not me. Yeah, that was. So yeah, sorry, John. Yeah, yeah. I think, therefore, therefore, yeah. the prize. Goes I'm not to saying you. anything. You can, yeah. you can yeah. fight between you. Um, mm. So how did this, how those, both those sort of backstories yeah. have been lovelyly uh, articulated, <laughs> articulated <laughs> unlike yeah. myself. Um, what, how uh, did Iron Shoes come out of this and yeah. how was that born? And um, well, 2009. Yes. Iron Shoes is, is yeah. the theatre company. company. What, what is Iron Shoes? So it's a, it's a theatre production company, although we have made the odd little kind of short film as well to a degree, or been involved in making kind of films and stuff. But it's a production company that for both of us is allows us a bit of a vehicle, if you like, for, for ideas that we have. We define it saying that we want it to be a company that makes projects with authentic voices so that all the projects that we have done tend to be new writing, tend to be writers who come a little bit from the margins, if you like, so that they are representative of a voice that you wouldn't normally hear. Right. So that it's the sort of writers that aren't being produced mainly by some of the kind of bigger companies or, or major houses. And I suppose that's, if there is a criteria, that would be it. Yeah. Um, we're still a very kind of small company, is just it's myself just and, and, uh, and I. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and we, you know, try and do as much as we can, but a lot of it is down to, you know, having a really strong idea to start with and then getting the funding to make that uh, really happen. Yeah, and so it's project to project. And yeah. we bring in freelancers um, yeah. for each project, whether that's an associate producer or stage management or actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the running of it, it's John and I. Yeah. But it's been great. I mean, and that, so when I left... National Youth Theatre, uh, that that's when we started talking about having this company. I think for both of us, it's been a really useful um, uh, thing to, to, to kind of have. So we've, we haven't done that many, we've done sort of four or five 
productions. Yeah, probably around five or so. Yeah. So Crush was our very first one. So in 2009, yeah. I think you'd recently left National Youth Theatre. Mm-hmm. I'd left Watford Palace. Um, so we were both... You were together at that point as well. Yeah. As yeah. A, as a Do you mean like romantically, romantically together? Romantically together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd kissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just got married, in fact. So quite yeah. a bit further on from that. So to, we got married in 2008. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I was sure that I witnessed your wedding, but not witnessed your wedding, but... Yeah. Um, you was around at that time, but maybe I wasn't. Um, no. Well, no. Well, when, I sp- when we did who shoes in Maria oh, was singing oh, to yeah, the when shoes. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that yeah, we weren't married yet. Oh, you weren't married. Yeah, that was two thousand seven. Was it or two thousand eight? You were older than you think, Louis. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, sorry. So yeah. two thousand and nine. I was freelancing. John was freelancing. Um, and I do think part of it was us kind of going. How do we? spend more time together <laughs> how do we um have something which is mm-hmm. ours yeah yeah that we can both focus on why um, not why not exactly so um it was a bit of an experiment that we have a very good friend and very talented writer um called uh he's called paul charlton and he'd written a play called crush which was set in the northeast mm-hmm. um and actually around that time because John had just left National mm-hmm. Youth Theatre, people were trying to headhunt him. So, so there was uh, someone from Middlesbrough who was trying to convince John and therefore me to move up to Middlesbrough and uh-huh. um, run a theatre company from Middlesbrough. Yeah. We really, we were really well, good we, move, we, didn't we? Yeah, it was really close to, to happening. It was um, hence the, the word iron shoes comes from. Teesside's always kind of been yeah, an yeah. iron and steel producer, and so the idea was that we'd be in this town of iron, but have shoes so we'd kind of kind of take it on tours and things like that and we had lots of long conversations with Middlesbrough Council in the end it didn't work out because the as so often is the case is part of the funding fell through but also what we were then required to do in order to run this company I felt was was too kind of constrictive of of, of what we wanted to do which was produce new work and work with interesting people this was very much more like on the kind of social work end of things where as well as doing that we're also working with uh, a group of people who are struggling or or whatever yes working with a niche group yeah education employment or yeah training yeah well that's Rosabella is that Rosabella yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, she might need to join us yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, is that right? I'm yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So you, you carry on talking. Okay. About that. Okay. And, and just, but just to say before I go, like, we are really interested in that side of of the work, yeah. as in um, working with people who might not have access mm-hmm. to um, education, employment, or training. But it just meant that it would have been everything. Like that would have been the whole reason for us to go to Middlesbrough. So we decided not to. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get up there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go yeah, yeah. Do that. The baby's crying. Indeed, yeah. So, so from from that crush, then was part of that whole northeast thing. So, as a as a, which is the region that I'm I'm from, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so we took crush to Edinburgh, and it did very well for us. So we won a fringe first, and um, you know, got received a lot of good press, and kind of got us on the on the map as, yeah, a, yeah. as a company. And then since then, we've we've had a number of kind of productions that have all done pretty well. Yeah. What do you think it is? Because you, there's obviously something you're doing. Yeah. Right. So is it like what creates that quality? Is it? I think it is a genuine and uh, a genuine uh, belief in the idea. Yeah. So so whatever the creative source is, the whether it's a 
a piece of new writing in terms of so that that becomes a kind of source for for then you know kind of attracting artists around it or i say with some of the stuff that i've written you know it's just a, a, a single idea but it's about being passionate about that we never looked and don't look to make money in iron shoes in fact it's probably cost us a great deal into you know if we totted up the hours that we put in yeah, yeah. and all those sort of things is so it's, it's never that's i don't know really i mean it's set up as a uh, it's a company limited by guarantee and in its kind of articles or whatever, you, you've actually aren't planning to make profit right. in those sort of companies. You're trying to break even yeah. every year, and that's what we look to do. So every year since we've been started, we've had activity, and we've sometimes it's R and D stuff, sometimes it's a full production. Yeah. Uh, but what we've also tried to do is be financially responsible about making sure that if we are going to do a production. We've either got the funding in place or that we're very clear with the people that we're working with how how that is is being funded yeah um but the reality is and i think it, it you know i don't think we're alone certainly not alone in in this is that theater companies playing to you know kind of houses of 100 to 300 it's very difficult yeah. to turn that into any sort of commercial venture it needs subsidy it needs support it needs help and too often i think the largest subsidy comes from the artists involved in making yeah. the work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's a constant battle. But it's one that I think we've got to kind of own up to a little bit as a community of, yeah. uh, of people is, you know, why should, you know, in some ways, if if your show isn't selling and it's losing you money every night, how, how you can't make that, you know, equation square particularly. So, yeah. 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 It's my... Rosabella in the background who's me and Maria had a baby about eight months ago so the house that we're in now we moved into the day before Rosabella was born so Lucy sat at a chair with um, yeah that hasn't really moved since <laughs> in the last eight months really, so <laughs> haven't done anything but yeah and that's an interesting conversation that when when Rhea and Rosabella joined us again about families and how that makes a difference to how you work as a creative yeah um what what yeah i get concerned yeah yeah no no don't don't worry it's just fine yeah (laughs) um yeah so what if something that i can ask you now yeah yeah yeah. what in uh, coming from the point of view of a of a director a writer Mm -hmm. um actor um what advice would you give to a young actor whether that's someone who's like pre-drama school post-drama school not even thinking about drama school at all like what would be your advice yeah well thinking about the conversation that we've just had what struck me there was something about if you have the opportunity go for it and don't be afraid of taking that leap sometimes and it can be a leap so don't wait for everything to be in in the right place yeah. sometimes you might need to take a risk sometimes you need to say yes to stuff even if it's not seemingly perfect and I think sometimes those jobs that you know it might not be the lead it might not be the thing that you dreamt it was going to be but can develop into something much more meaningful yeah. so we've talked a lot about NYT we've talked about Young Vic we've talked about the Pleasance or whatever that they're all relationships that continue to, to make work. Here's Rosabella. Oh, Joey. Here's Joey. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
She's got a big smile on her face. Oh, She's she... wearing purple and blue today. She looks lovely. That's how long I haven't seen you for. Yeah. Cause... Yeah, eight months. Yeah. Well, no. She looks like not a real like person. A baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a bit snotty at the moment. She's had a cold. I get I get really nervous around small right. children. Babies. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Not not yeah. like nervous. You're not putting me off. But I mean. Uh, yeah. I, you know, when people hand you a baby, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm okay, the guy who goes, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I won't hand you, Rosabella. Good that you warned yeah. me. <laughs> Talk about advice to give young actors and creatives in terms of entering... The profession. Yeah, and, and making a go of it, or making a sense of it. And I, I'm a big believer in participation as well. I, 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 I think we'll probably... A bit hung up on um, this notion of right if you're an actor that's all you do or if you're a director that's all you do I yeah. think we need to be that everybody should be more creative yeah. regardless of, of what job they do and if you're lucky enough to be a creative don't be afraid or ashamed if sometimes you've got to you know kind of supplement that with with other work yeah, yeah. whatever because it can feed feed what you do anyway absolutely yeah yeah be nice to everyone <laughs> i will say that but yeah, yeah be nice to everyone mm. and like, like you were saying don't burn any bridges and it's got to be it's got to be real but it, it does surprise me how um how many people not that they're horrible but don't realize that the relationships mm. that you're building at the very beginning are going to see you through um, yeah. ultimately so mm -hmm. yeah be nice to everyone it's nice to be yeah. lovely to everyone. <laughs> um, let me have a look here. Did you talk about crush and Madame? Yeah, Madeline? a little bit. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and Iron Shoes still. I mean, so we've talked about what Iron yeah. Shoes is and and how it was born and how amazing that is. John was going to talk about how family has come into that and. Uh, uh, weren't you? Were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy's face went really scared so there. Oh, God, have I touched on something yeah. that I shouldn't be? But yeah, well, I think it is interesting. So, I say, Rosabella was born seven and a half, nearly eight months ago now. Yeah. And, um, and that clearly makes a difference yeah. because you now our responsibility also includes, includes her. So, things have altered. Uh, I think, particularly for women, I think that that is quite a challenge yeah definitely in terms of, I mean I think obviously I'm massively involved in the care and looking after Rosabella yeah. but my body hasn't been through a huge trauma and, and all the rest of it in the way that my wife it's, has it's recovering now yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah I think for any anyone in the arts for anyone in any industry but I suppose what we know is the arts um, to be a parent and to juggle that so to juggle work and life um it's very tricksy. Um, childcare is is a really um, difficult one because in the arts, none of us have set hours. Yeah. We're not Monday to Friday, nine till five. Yeah. So therefore, we can't kind of employ someone or find a nursery where um, you can put your child in nine to five and that's all sorted. But actually, it's much more likely that, you know, I've got, oh, well, I have a couple of tech weeks coming up soon and... Um, yeah. I'll need to work all hours yeah. so then it's a case of you know John definitely being free or my mum <laughs> definitely being free or you know so that balance is is really crazy and it's fine when um, 
I'm working and John isn't or John is working and I'm not but um, as soon as we get clashes which of course we have clashes coming up then um, I don't really know what the solution is and when you have one off things which again in the arts you have all the time whether yeah. castings or design meetings or whatever mm-hmm. um, to have like a a, um, a central London crash at the National Theatre or the South Bank Centre yeah. or the BFI would sort out so many people yeah. um, and I've said you're the second person I've kind of said this to um, and there's lots of there are discussions going on about it at the moment I don't mean in terms of actually it becoming a, a, a reality but a lot of women in the mm. arts either with children who, who, who or who think that at some point they might have children um, are kind of going hang on how, how do we how do we continue a career that we're enjoying and are you know doing well at how how does that carry on yeah um whilst also uh raising a family and and being a a mum and if statistically if you if you look at it there the number of female directors um who are um working i imagine in the country definitely in london does drop off after a certain point or people become kind of less active and that's because um it is incredibly difficult to um, manage childcare. Yeah, no, I bet. And yeah. is that something that you thought about before? Whereas no, not really. No, no. <laughs> well, kind of. Well, yeah, kind I of. mean, yeah, in terms of, oh, I, mean, I, I absolutely, well, I absolutely knew that I, I wanted to kind of take a shared responsibility for parenting yeah. and, and all that kind of thing. So there wasn't an ounce of me saying, well, you know, I've got to, bring the money and and, and whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i suppose in the arts the the freelancing world does allow you at least a bit of flexibility yeah, i mean you know there's always a compromise or there's and there'll always be times when it doesn't work out but at least you can go actually for this next three months this is what we're going to focus on um and that's what we'll we'll do the challenge is always the money isn't it i suppose yeah you know it's, it's kind of how you balance those two two things but we're not again we're not alone in that yeah, yeah of course yeah so and i suppose in terms of again in terms of the arts and creative industries you, you do actually need quite a bit of thinking time whether prepping writing or mm. actually writing or yeah. um or you know i've got a couple of shows coming up and just finding the time to properly work out in my mind um how i'm gonna make it it's it's quite hard to find that time because it's one thing for me to go I need to head out for three hours and go to a design meeting um, and John's going to do look after Rosabella yeah. um, it's another thing to kind of go oh, I just need a day to mull on things because yeah. Uh, yeah that time is um, that time's in the past yeah yeah now. it kind of doesn't exist anymore well, yeah. Yeah. what we'll probably end up doing is just doing a load of kind of first toddler theatre and then yeah, four year old five year old yeah. theatre yeah. and then six seven so well, you just did one didn't you I just did one yeah so um, a show called The Girl Who Never Looked Up at the National Theatre. It was a revival, so we'd done it the year before. It was for four to six-year-olds, so a little bit old for Rosabella. But it's absolutely kind of given me uh, a desire to um, make more children's you, shows. You have always had an interest in... Um, well, correct me if I'm talking rubbish, but you've always had an interest in creating shows for younger young people. Young people, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's where I, I saw your first, the 
first thing I knew that I was seeing of yours was Mad About a Boy, uh, not Mad About a Boy, which was also amazing. Uh, maybe <laughs> not for the younger ones, but um, uh, Dr. Korchak. Yeah, yeah. That, that thing my girlfriend Kai was, was in. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was I think like eleven plus, yeah. and then obviously our show that we did together, exactly, yeah, um, the Winter's Tale, Winter's Tale is uh, was six plus, so that's for a family audience. I think. Yeah. I've always made work for teenagers, as has mm-hmm. John, like for and National with teenagers. as well, I suppose, comes into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I worked for a company called Box Clever for ages, who, who are really great at making work with young people. Um, I, I never quite... Um, it's only in the last couple of years I've um, been asked to make work for under 10s. And yeah. initially, wow. like when we started doing Winter's Tale, I... I did kind of go, yeah, I, I love the idea of making stuff for a family audience because accessibility is such a, a big thing for me and just yeah. making sure that anyone can come along and enjoy yeah, a bit yeah. of Shakespeare. Um, so whether six plus or just, just making Shakespeare accessible, like but that was absolutely one. my taste, yeah. that, that show that we made. Um, but I also did kind of go, I don't really know what a six-year-old m- old's mind is like. Yeah. So, you know, it was a bit of a exper- experiment as yeah. well. Um, and then with the girl who look, never looked up, that's four to six, and and I really want to go to some theatre for, for you know babies now. Yeah. Um, so I, I really I do I can see why people have children and start making children's theatre because <laughs> you know your world is immersed in um, trying to work out what's in um, Rosabella's mind. Yeah. Uh, so if we can you know bring that into our work as well, then yeah. I and Jesus now going to become um, a children's she is awesome by the way thanks yeah, yeah. she was so cool <laughs> yeah that was our aim to make a cool yeah, baby <laughs> um well that's pretty much an hour so right um, i think i've covered everything i wanted to i barely even looked at this but that's that's great uh, is there anything coming up for you guys that, that people can see or how can people keep up to date with you uh yeah so i've my first two shows back after maternity leave i suppose is i'm doing a a piece called bike by Catherine mitchell at salisbury playhouse salisbury playhouse um and then i am thank you um this is just picked up Rosemary's bunny um (laughs) and then i'm doing uh, a play called jane wenham the witch of walken by um a fantastic writer called Rebecca Lenkovich um, for Out of Joint. So that oh, is cool. touring, opening Watford Palace, touring all over the country till the end of the year and then back at the Arcola in the s- in January. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. That's me. And Ayn Shoes is doing, we're developing a new play called Fragment yeah. at the North Wall in Oxford. Yeah. So we've got another week on that in August and then hopefully that'll go into production at some point in 2016. And that's with a brilliant musician composer called Dom Coyote who is cool and we love him yeah indeed and then I'm also working on which Lewis you were involved in in some of the R&D on a project in Bristol so Mm. uh, and it's kind of a musical play about Bristol um, called Graph Boy which is sort of looking at the whole graffiti and street art culture uh, there so again these are shows that may or may not happen at the moment so we'll wait and see but it's great fun making them absolutely yeah that yeah. week was amazing i really enjoyed it good um Rhea, john rosabella <laughs> thank you so much for letting thank me come you. and do this with you thank you Liz. Thank take you. care mate cheers so there you have it guys that was 
John Hoggart and Rhea Parry. Or are they both Hoggart now? I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was really good. Um, I thought it was probably the best I've done so far in an interview as well. Um, and in terms of sort of directing it and getting the best out of the conversation, uh, it probably helped that I was the most nervous for some reason. I don't know if that's because they've both been directors of mine, or but they've both directed me in plays. But yeah, there was a certain amount of nerves and uh, from me <laughs> more than usual. But I thought it ended up going really well. Thanks again for listening, guys. Subscribe, come onto the Facebook page, like, share it, do all that kind of nonsense. I've got a corker next week. Absolute legend, another MYT legend. And it's it's going to be a bit longer than, than these ones. I hope that's okay. Uh, we just had a really good chat and my guest was brilliant and very inspiring. The same as today. So, look forward to that one next week. I hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks again for listening, guys. I will see you next week. Big love. Bye-bye. Twas a life gay and easy, whatever may come. Take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun. Fun. Fun.